Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Good morning, church. Today we're going to be talking about uh, we're going to be talking about unshakable faith. How many know that God wants you to live with unshakable faith in a time where things seem to be shaken? right? God wants us to live in confidence. He wants us to live in faith. And so today I want to read at a second Thessalonians chapter two. One of the reasons um, I struggle sometimes teaching on faith is there's so many Christians that when you start talking about faith and, ta- and start talking about our identity in Christ, um, they blank out or they tune the message out, Okay. Because in the word of faith movement, some teachers have gone astray and they've moved into uncharted territory. They've moved into the ditch. And in doing so, um, they've discredited the word of faith message. And I'm here to say that uh, there's a foundation in faith that our brother uh, Kenneth Hagin, for example, where the faith movement was being birthed, again, in this century, that it was an amazing, powerful revelation that has been a blessing to my family, uh, to my parents, and uh, we've seen so many miracles in our lives because of the message of faith. And so sometimes I struggle with coming out with the strong faith message, but you need to hear this because it is foundational for breakthrough. And so today I'm asking you to just listen and be receptive to what God wants to reveal to you from His Word Uh, today. Uh, So today I want to talk in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verse 1 to 2. Now, Paul is speaking to the church, uh, the Thessalonians, and he says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, okay? And so Paul is saying concerning end-time teaching, right? Gathering together to the Lord, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, Uh, the resurrection of the dead, all of these things. He says, concerning this, Paul says, we ask that you not be soon shaken in mind or spirit. And as a pastor, I want to ask the same thing of you as a church. I want to ask you, when things are shaking up and we see that we're in the end days, okay, we're not in the tribulation time now, but we're closer to the end than they were back here in the Bible. We're closer to the end, and so we're moving into a season, we're in the end times, Um, but I'm asking you, don't be soon shaken, all right, in mind or spirit. Even when everything around us seems to be shaking, we have to be unshakable. God wants you and I to be unshakable in this season of shaking. Why? Because we're the sons of God, we're the daughters of God, and God's Spirit is with us. And so Paul is saying, don't be shaken when you hear all of these things. All right? And look what he says here. Let no one deceive you by any means, for the day of the Lord will not come unless a falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. And we're going to get into that in weeks to come. We're going to get into uh, the end time teaching. But he's telling them, don't worry, you didn't miss, you didn't miss the rapture. You didn't miss the, uh, the, uh, the, the, raise, the raising of the dead. You didn't miss anything. You're in the right time. And so I want you to see this, that Paul is warning them not to be deceived. 
And I'm warning you the same way. Don't be deceived by thought. Don't be deceived by text or emails or the news media or teachers that constantly install fear. Don't be shaken and don't be deceived. All right? There's a sequence and a time for everything. And so he says in verse 3, Let no one deceive you by any means, for the day of the Lord will not come unless a falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. And so he goes on to explain what was happening here, okay, is they were taught the truth, the truth about the end times, about the second coming of Christ, but it was out of sequence. They, They thought that they missed something. And sometimes we can get out of sequence, okay? Um, We see the same error take place 16 years later in Paul's letter to to Timothy. And he says this here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 to 18. He says, um, let's go there. Be diligent, we're going to start in verse 15, to present yourself approved of God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. We have to rightfully divide the word of truth. Look what he says. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Himanus and Philetus are of the sort who strayed concerning the truth. So they have strayed concerning the truth. Look what they did. Saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrew the faith of some people. And so I want what we learn here, okay, uh, about this error and the error of the Thessalonians is this. They put in the past what belonged in the future. I'm going to say that again. They put in the past what belonged in the future. So we learn the, that the error of the Thessalonians was this. Okay, number one, they put in the past what belonged in the future. They, they, they understood that, uh, that they understood a truth, the truth of the resurrection, but they took that truth and they put it in the past when it belonged in the future. And many times what we do is we put a truth in the future that belongs in the present or belongs in the past, and we put it in the future. And if you get the sequence out, then what it does is it actually robs your faith. It doesn't build your faith. Okay, And so with that in mind, I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 5, and I want you to read these passages. We're going to read them with a past, present, and future tense in mind. Because how many know the sequence of truth will either produce faith or it will rob you of faith? And so let's look together at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 7. But God is so rich in mercy. That's present tense. God is rich in mercy. Look what he says. And he loved us so much. The word loved is past tense. So God already loved us. And it says that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. Past tense. So you see see what happened. You know, so many times we struggle. We say, I don't feel like God loves me. I don't feel like I'm good enough. And if I could only do a little more, or if I could serve a little more, or give a little bit more money to the church, or if I could, you know, um, if, if, if I could do something more for God, deal with these issues in my life, then maybe He would love me. And so we're reaching for a truth that we think is in the future, but it's really in the past. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All right? 
God already loved you when you were a mess. God loved you when you were shooting cocaine in your arms, when you were, you were drinking yourself to go to sleep at night. There was a time in my life where I had a hard time falling, to, falling asleep at night because unless I had a drink, I had to calm myself down. I was in a state of anxiety all the time. And I just remember that when I think back that God loved me even in that state. Now, he didn't approve of my lifestyle. He doesn't approve of our lifestyle, but he loved us in that state. And he said that we were dead in our sins. And what he did was he gave us life, past tense. When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that you've been saved. You've only been saved, not of your own works, but by God's grace. You have been, past tense, saved. 2,000 years ago, God paid for your sin. God paid for your prosperity. He became poor so that you could be rich. All right? He, he became, by His stripes, we are healed. He took upon Himself lashes so that we could walk in healing. Everything was taken care of over 2,000 years ago at the cross. All right? It says, He raised Christ from the dead. It's only by grace that you've been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ, and He seated us, past tense, with Christ in heavenly places. And this is speaking about the authority that we carry. Because we are united with Christ... So God can point to us in all the future ages, which is future tense. You know, we live on earth, we die, we're going to go to heaven, and in eternity there's going to be future ages. I don't think we're going to be sitting around on a cloud playing a harp. God's got plans, the scripture says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, you know, the things that God has planned for those that love us, love Him. He has a plan for, for our lives. He has a plan for your life in eternity. And through the ages to come, He's going to point and He's going to use us as an example of the incredible wealth of His grace and His kindness towards us. As shown in all He has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Are you united with Christ Jesus? Man, God has done so much for us. Okay, past tense. Go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 to 14. It says, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance. Isn't this awesome that God has enabled us to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light? You are a saint you are a saint. You know, you think, well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And, and there's truth to that. But the reality is God has made you a saint. He has made you righteous. He has given you the name of his son. He has given you his word. He has taken his blood to pay for your sins. He has given us his Holy Spirit. He has given us all this. We have this amazing inheritance because... God has enabled it. All right? For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. You know, there's, there's this tendency where we feel like we need to be rescued. Or we try to rescue ourselves from our lives. I'm here to tell you that 
God has already rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. And he transferred, and I want you to note this, this is all past tense. There's nothing here that is this is future tense. It's not uh, uh, present tense. It's past tense. It says, He has transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So let's look at this. Look up at the PowerPoint here. He has, he has done this. He has enabled me to share in the inheritance. Okay? I had nothing to do with it. He has done it. He has rescued me from darkness. I don't have to live in sin. I don't have to have addiction in my life. I don't have to have anxiety in my life. I can be free from all forms of darkness. Why? Because He has rescued me. I don't have to strive. He has done it. Number three, He transferred me into His kingdom. Man, I don't have to strive to enter into the kingdom of God. I don't have to pray uh, so many times a day and read the Bible all day long and say prayers and wash in dirty rivers. I don't have to do all of that to be transferred into his kingdom. Because why? He transferred me. He did the work. He was the one that transferred me into his kingdom. Number four, he purchased my freedom. Isn't that good news? We don't have to purchase our own freedom. It's like, you know, it's like if you were hundreds of years ago living on a slave plantation. What a sinful thought. But here you are, and somebody comes along, and they pay for your freedom, and they take you, and you can live a normal life. That's what Jesus did. That's what the Father did. He purchased our freedom. So we no longer could be controlled by the wicked one. And number five, he forgave my sins. He forgave them. I didn't do it. I can't do a bunch of good things to cover the bad things I've done. He had to forgive my sins and wash them away and make me whiter than snow. And he's done the same thing for you. It's all past tense. It was accomplished at the cross of Christ over 2,000 years ago. All right? He's already done it. But you say to me, well, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to receive all of this stuff? Well, this is what God expects of us. Let's, let's look at uh, the next verse in verse 8. It said, God saved you. That's past tense. God saved you by His grace when you believed. When we believe in Jesus, when we put our faith in the cross... When we put our faith in the free gift of salvation, God, I receive everything that you have for me. I receive your Holy Spirit that you've promised to me. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, what happens is everything becomes available to you. It says here, God saved you, past tense, by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. I mean, you and I can't take credit for what God is doing in our life. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. No, none of us can boast about it. Man, we can't boast. We can't say, hey, I, I've received, I'm a good person. We can't boast. Why? Because everything was a free gift. Everything was given by God when I believed. When you believed all of this was accredited to you. You say, Pastor, why are you going here? I, you're going to see in just a minute. Okay? 
Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So no one can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. And I want you to listen here because this is really important. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. What, is he, what has he done? He has done the work. He created you and I new in Christ Jesus. If we're believers, he has done a supernatural work on the inside of us. Okay? Why? Let's see. So that we can do the good things he planned for us to do long ago. Now, here's the thing. Okay? He has created us new. He did all the work when we believed. Why? So that we could do the good works that he's called us to do. That's why he did it. All right? And um, it's important to know that because God has chosen us to be alive during this time because he has work for you and I to do in this time. Now, what I want to do is I want to take that passage of Scripture and I want to translate it and twist it the way I believe the devil and religion has twisted this passage of Scripture. So we're going to give those five points again. Number one, okay? He is enabling me to share in the inheritance. You see what we're doing? We're changing it a bit here. It's not that he has enabled me, but he's enabling me. Number two, he is rescuing me from darkness. You see? So now, because we've moved it out of the past and put it in the future, it gets me involved in the present, trying to strive for something that's already been accomplished. Number three, he is transferring me into his kingdom. Man, if I only pray and if I only read enough, if I only serve enough at church, then maybe God will be pleased with me and he'll let me have a, a good place in heaven and he, you know, maybe I'll be saved, but I got to work for it. Puts it in the present. Look at the next one. He is transferring me into his kingdom. He is purchasing my freedom. He is forgiving my sins. You see what's happening. See, um, we're, we're moving what was meant. The sequence is all out. We're moving what was meant to be in the past. We're moving it into the future, which causes us to be involved in the present. And what it does is it robs us of the faith of God's power that's already been done and accomplished at Calvary. I want to tell you this. I had a uh, new convert that I was working with. It was only a week in the Lord. And I went out to one of his friend's houses and was praying for his friend and I began to prophesy. I just began to talk to this guy and say, the Lord is showing me this about your life. And I began to, by the Holy Spirit, begin to know things about this person. And the person began to cry and said, how do you know this stuff? And I said, because God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of me, and he's just giving me these thoughts, and I'm just praying them out. And the guy was just astounded. Well, the young person who was with me was a week in the Lord, probably. New Christian. He said, can I try that? I said, absolutely. So he began to prophesy and, and, and read this guy's mail and say, God is showing me this about you and this about you. And the guy started to weep, and, and we walked away from that. A brand-new Christian was able to. Why? Because God had already given him all things that pertain to life and godliness in Christ Jesus. He was given it, and he just activated it. 
See, the problem is if we put in the future what was meant to be in the past, we're so busy trying to create ourselves anew in our own strength that we never get to the work that God has called us to do because we're striving to become better. We're striving, like, I've got to get more spiritual. I need to grow in my faith. I need to understand the Bible better. I need to know more scriptures. I need more experience. I need more conferences. I need, I need, I need. And then God can use me. But what if God's already done everything he needs to do? And we're through, by exercising our faith, supposed to step out and start to do the work that God has called us to do. Isn't that awesome? I want to finish with this story here in Acts chapter 3. And it's really a neat story. It's a story about Peter and John, and they were going to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer meeting. And uh, as they approached the temple, this is Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 8, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful. And so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. He said, so the lame man looked at him eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but what I have, I'll give you. What I have, something he already had, I give to you. Do you notice he didn't pray for him? He didn't say, okay, we're going to have a prayer meeting and we're going to fast and pray and hopefully something will happen. No, he didn't do that. They said, silver and gold we don't have. But what we have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And he grabbed him by the hands and they lifted him up. And the Bible said immediately his feet became strong. Isn't that awesome? And um, so, of course, all the people are going nuts. They're like, wow, there's a miracle that has happened. This is awesome. And the big crowds are gathering together. And so Peter and John are standing there. And in Acts chapter 3, verse 12, look what they said. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power, by our own godliness? Okay? It wasn't their godliness. It wasn't their power. And look what they said in Acts chapter 3, verse 16. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before, faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. All right? So Peter had faith in what he had. He had the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus was given to Peter. The name of Jesus is given to me. The name of Jesus is given to you. You don't need more training. You don't need to acquire more righteousness. You don't have to, you know, go to more conferences and more prophetic schools. You just need to step out in faith and believe that all things that pertain to you having a godly life were deposited by the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean you have to learn how to walk. It doesn't mean that you don't have to, you know, uh, uh, you know be trained a little bit, but it's all there.
and you don't have to strive to learn. You need to strive to rest in what he's already given you. Isn't that good news today? My prayer is that you will take time to read through Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2 this week, focusing on, I'm going to call it, the sequence of grace. The sequence of grace. That what God has already given us in the past empowers us to live in the present. But if we look at what God's given us as this something that's coming in the future, then we're striving in the present to attain what God has already given us. And so it's very important that we take the time to get the sequence right. Amen? Bible says if we call upon the name of the Lord, we will be saved. If there's some of you listening here, I want you to know that the price was paid for your healing. The price was paid for your forgiveness so that you can have a relationship with God. Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago. And the Bible says if all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so right now, Father, we just call upon the name of the Lord. If you're here and you're listening to this and you don't know Jesus, you don't know if you were to die today that you'd go to be with the Lord Jesus, I want you to pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Forgive me for all the wrong I've done and come and live in my heart. Make me new from the inside out. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Father, I pray for the church. I pray that we'll read our Bibles and we'll pay a close attention to that which is, we'll pay attention to the sequence, the sequence of grace. And that which you've already done, we're going to rest in. And we're going to stop striving. And we're going to live in faith of the finished work of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed that message. I really believe that we're living in a season right now where God wants us to grow in our faith. And we have to look at the past and understand that it's all been paid for, it's all been accomplished. When we look at the fact that our righteousness is past tense, that God has made us righteous, and we become aware of our royalty, that we're seated with Christ, it's so much easier to overcome sin and overcome uh, appetites of the flesh because you're like, I, I, just, I just don't want to go there anymore because because of what God has already accomplished in me. It is finished and, and is so much easier. But if you have the perspective that you're trying to work this thing out constantly, uh, you struggle constantly. So I want, I want to encourage you. We are working out our salvation. That only means we're walking it out and we're learning to overcome temptation. So the Bible says we are tempted. So we learn to overcome temptation. But the reality is you're squeaky clean, you're washed by the blood, you're sanctified by the Spirit. And when you're aware of that, that it's already been done, you can just, you can, you can breathe easy and you can rest and you can enjoy the presence of God. And you can say, hey God, I'm ready to get to work. Show me what you want me to do. And you can just start being like Jesus in the earth and loving on people. So I want to I want to encourage you. I hope that message encouraged you. In the next few weeks we're just going to keep talking about who we are in Christ, the authority we have in Christ and uh and and just walk in victory. Amen. God bless you guys and we will see you next week.
Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.